0: Check, check, okay, here we go, Second Chronicles chapter number 12, Second Chronicles chapter number 12, and I will be brief, um, I'm thankful for the message we've already heard, I just want to take a highlighter or an exclamation point uh, on the message we've already heard. And uh, I believe my burden would be very similar to Brother John's as well as the pastor, that we all just get our heart tuned up to get what God's got for us this week, okay? Um, I told the preacher, uh, we were scheduled to be here tomorrow night, uh, Brother Andy Wells' wife's daddy. Uh, Brother Andy's father-in-law passed away, and um, that funeral is tomorrow evening. My kids will be here, but Chris and I are going to try to make it to that funeral, then be back on Tuesday, and then as much as possible throughout the week. Uh, but I'm already thankful for what God's done. And uh, so one verse, ready? Second Chronicles twelve fourteen. This is King Rehoboam, Solomon's son, and he did evil because... He prepared not his heart to seek the Lord. If you're a Bible student, and most of you in this room are, there's phrases in the Bible about men who did not seek the Lord. There are uh, phrases in the Bible in these Kings and Chronicles books about Jeroboam and on the king of Israel's side and all the men who followed him, and man after man after man, the Bible says he walked in the ways of Jeroboam and and the king of Israel and and all that, that he did. So there's many descriptive terms that God used to describe the kings that did right and the kings who did evil you'll look long and hard before you'll find a description quite like we have here about Rehoboam that the problem was not, Brother Daniel, that he did not follow the Lord. The problem was that he did not prepare his heart to seek and to follow the Lord. I would say most of us in here like to grow things. That's what we do. It could be stuff we eat or stuff that we just grow to look at because it's beautiful. Chris was going to the cottage to clean the other day. A family was coming in for an anniversary. And she said, oh, I need to go to the grocery store and buy a bouquet and put a little card in there. And uh, she said, then the thought came to her, uh, look around your yard. There's hydrangeas. There's daylight. There's, you've got prettier stuff here than, you, than they have at the grocery store. Just wax some of them all, put them in a vase, and put a card on it. They thought she paid a lot of money for it. Say it right there. I would say most of us like to grow things. Well, you don't just walk out here on this bank and cast some seed. If you want to grow anything, you're going to have to prepare the soil. If you're going to get any help this week, I'm just being real honest with you, you're going to have to do more than just show up. Yeah, you can get some spillover from somebody else and, and leave, going. woo, we had a big time at the house of God. But if you want change to go on in your life, you're going to have to prepare your heart. That's what I want to preach about for a few minutes. So let me tell you where we are. We are late. We're near the end of Rehoboam's life. this uh, He's not dead, but we're getting the synopsis of his life, and we're told he did evil, for one reason, he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. So we're going to go backwards through his life. I'm gonna, we're going to go backwards and I'm going to look at two instances that were horrible but they weren't the root of the problem. And then we're going to end up where the root of the problem began where he had an opportunity to prepare his heart And he didn't do that, okay? So go with me to the the first one. It's late in his life, but remember, we're going backwards. Chapter 12, verse number 9. Chapter 12, verse number 9. So Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house. So he went to the temple and to the king's home. Okay. We we remember reading about those and, and, and Solomon's life and all how many years it took to build those. He took all, look in the middle of verse nine. He carried away also the shields of say the word. Which Solomon had made. Instead of which Rehoboam made shields of, say it, and committed them to the hands of the, of the chief of the guard that kept the entrance of the king's house. Okay, we're only going to stay here a minute. Remember, we're going backwards to the beginning of his reign. Right now, we're near the end of his reign. And number one, okay, again, in reverse, the number one problem that we see manifested in his life is he settled for a forgery. He was satisfied with brass when before that they settled for gold. And, and here's the problem, Brother Kirkendall, with brass, it looked really, really good. But it took a whole lot of work to make it look good and it took even more work to keep it looking good. One of our young men uh, at the church got saved a few months ago. And the first thing that he said, am I going to do any feedback if I get down here? The first thing that he said, he literally, you were there. He just about tackled me on the way to the altar. And uh, he had talked to me a year and a half ago about his salvation. I pointed him to the Word of God. He said he got it settled. I don't tell anybody they're saved. And I don't tell anybody they're lost. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, boy, when he came to me that Sunday and just about tackled me, Seth, we knelt in the altar, and here's what he said, J.P. He said, I've been trying and trying and trying, and I just can't do it anymore. I need God to do it. Okay, let let, let me tell you something. Brass will look real good, and you can get in the youth choir, and you can go to the youth meeting, you can go on a mission trip. You can go do a Sunday afternoon uh, nursing home ministry and keep your shield of brass looking good, but you'll spend the rest of your life polishing it, trying to look the part. When you get gold, it's the real deal, and it it does its looking on itself. Okay, it, It comes from the inside out. Gold is just beautiful. Okay, brash, you got to work at it. And Rehoboam, if if there's anything that is indicative of him and his life and his reign, it is that he settled for a forgery. And when you walked in there and looked at the shields that were hanging on the wall, they looked real good. The problem is they would not stand the test of time. And I, I've got, I've got, I'm as concerned as anybody at the worldliness that we deal with in our lives and in our homes and in our churches today. But let me tell you something, if all you've done is cleaned up on the outside and there's nothing going on the inside, you've got a shield of brass and it's not going to pass the test. Okay, and and again, that 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 is not the pro- that's the fruit of the problem for Rehoboam. The root is gonna is gonna come in a little bit later. But I'm showing you where that led to, and the problem was he didn't prepare his heart to seek the Lord. And at the end of his life, we've got a man who is settling for brass and not for gold. Go to chapter eleven, verse number twenty three. Somebody, t- well, okay, in unison, somebody tell me in wor- one word what you believe Solomon's main problem was. One, two, three. There we go. It's always the right answer. Right? Everybody knows what Solomon's... His life was an open book. And by the way, when you got a thousand, you, it's hard to hide. I mean, you, where do you put a thousand wives? I mean, great day. Think about his grocery bill, brother. I mean, uh, chapter 11, verse number 23. He dealt wisely. This is Rehoboam, because he dispersed all of his children throughout the countries of Judah and Benjamin. I mean, th- wow. Th- this guy had a long-range plan. Unto every fenced city... And he gave them victual in abundance. Look at the last line. And he desired many wives. Number one, he settled for a forgery. Number two, he forgot willfully the sins of his father. He grew up in a home where the... Not, 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 there was no wrong answer when I said what got Solomon. Everybody had the right answer. Everybody in the world then and now knew what Solomon's downfall was. And here's Rehoboam. I'm going to get me some extra wives. If one's good, two's better. And then he started multiplying exponentially. Say amen right there. Read how many the guy did. I'm like, dude, this destroyed your daddy. Why do you think you're going to dodge this? Do you want to know the biggest heartache of pastoring? It's watching people follow the paths of people they know and love that sin destroyed and they go down that same road and go, I'm smarter than they were. You're like, no, you're not. But I have, I have had young people, and, and don't think for one minute that I'm preaching. Rehoboam was 41 when he started reigning, so this message not aimed at young people. This is for all of us. Here's what my dad says. There's no fool like an old fool. If an eight, He's nearly 82. If he can say it and get away with it, surely I can repeat him, okay, and quote him. Okay, I'm not calling anybody old. But he said, well, learn. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from somebody else's. But I'll, I'll, I'll watch young people, and they're on this path. And a sister, a brother, a cousin, an aunt, God forbid, God forbid, a mom or a daddy is down the road in head, ahead of them Falling into these snares, falling down these cliffs, you name it, going down. And the kids going down that same road, and you, 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 you put your arm around them. You meet them in the altar. You, you, you go in, in a school setting. You go to the, to the office, and you say, I'm, I'm concerned. If, 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 if her granddaddy was here, he's a member of my church. If he's here, he'd say, amen, preach, preacher. So don't, I, I called Amanda in one time, J.P., and I said, Amanda, you're going down the road. Your mama went down. Here's what she said, Crystal. You're right, Mr. Raines, but mama was stupid. And, she, and here's what she said. She said, I won't end up where mama did. I, I am, I'm doing some of the same things mama did, but I won't end up where mama did. Mama was stupid. I hope y'all don't even think, I hope y'all think stupid is a bad word. So I'm sorry I'm using it right here. We tried to make our kids think it was profanity, but they found out later it wasn't because they heard it at church. <laughs> you're wrong to be on the path of somebody you know and love and you saw what it did to them and, and you think you're going to end up with a different outcome. We do call that the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different outcome. God, help us. uh, uh, Pastor, am I I right? People you love, they they do what family and friends and co-workers and neighbors have done and it didn't work for them and they expect a different outcome in their life and it's not going to happen. Wise, wise is the man who will learn from somebody else's mistakes. Not in a prideful way, not in a gloating, looking down on them way, but I, 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 I know I'm well acquainted with most of you in this room. Look at those in your life and what sin has done for them and choose a different path. Amen. There's nothing more disturbing to me about Rehoboam than the fact that the very thing that got daddy is what he chose. Don't be that guy. But Brother Stamper, neither one of those are a reflection of a man not preparing his heart. Those are the fruit of not preparing your heart. I want to go to the crossroads when he had an opportunity to prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Would you go to chapter 10 verse 6? Chapter 10 verse 6. Brother Michael, I believe with all my heart, this is the moment he could have prepared his heart and then down the road made better decisions than he did. The first two, which were later in his life, okay, we're going backwards, right? The, the, those last two, I'll call them that now, that were at the beginning, those last two were serious, they were critical, they had devastating effects but they were nothing more than a reflection of his heart. Let's look at that moment when he had a choice to make. Are you there? Look at chapter 10, verse 6. King Rehoboam took counsel with the, say it, that it stood before. Remember now, Rehoboam is 41. So as, as much as I hope the young people get this, don't sit there and go, wow, he's preaching to the young people. I'm preaching to all of us. He took counsel with the old men that had stood before Solomon while his father yet lived, saying, What counsel give ye me to return to the people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou be kind to this people, please them, speak good words to them, they'll be thy servants forever. Look at the next phrase. But he forsook the counsel of of which the old men gave him took counsel with the young men that were brought up with him, stood before him. He said, What advice give you that we may return answer to this people which have spoken to me, saying, Ease somewhat the yoke that thy father did put upon us. Here's what happened, y'all, in, in, in Solomon's life. Sin made him bitter like the preacher preached about. The, the, the description of Solomon... The description of Solomon here, we don't even relate to that because we remember the, the young and tender Solomon who went before God and said, I am a little child who can't even go out and come in without you. That's who we think of when we think of Solomon, right? They're telling us what he ended up being. That's what they, they're, they're telling us that Solomon at the end of his reign was oppressive on those people. Sin will change you. Sin will change you. That's, look, at, look at 10. The young men that were brought up with him spake unto them, saying, Thus shalt thou answer the people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy Father made our yoke heavy, but make it somewhat lighter for us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. Whereas my father put a heavy yoke upon you, I'll put more to your yoke. My father chastised you with whips. I'll chastise you with scorpions. Verse 12, Jeroboam, all the people came to Rehoboam on the third day as the king bade, saying, Come again to me on the third day. The king answered them roughly. Look at the last phrase, and I'm, I'm almost done. King Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men. Listen, listen to me. I believe this with all my heart. The end, near the end of his life, he that that settling for brass instead of gold. All he was showing you there was where his heart had been all the time. Brother, brother John made the statement that sometimes our parents say to us, and sometimes we say to ourselves, "How could I?" or "How could you do that?" I mean, a lot of times that's just revealing what's always been there. Okay. So here we are at the end, the forgery, settling for brass, in the middle when when he forgot the, the sins of his father and went down that same road. But here I am at the beginning, and I don't want you to miss this. He had the wrong friends. <laughs> I wish it was more profound. I wish it was more profound. You'll prepare your heart to seek the Lord. By hanging around people that have prepared their heart to seek the Lord. All you ladies, you're going to be the kind of 50-year-old woman that you look at when you're 30 and say, that's who I want to be like. You young daddies, you're going to turn around twice and you're going to be middle-aged you're going to turn around two more times and you're going to be fat, old, and gray. Who said amen? That was too loud. I want you to agree with me most of the time. That was the time to say, you ain't old. Y'all with me? Here's what Billy Graham said. Okay, we're all Western North Carolinians and no, okay, okay. He had his problems. He, he told a whole lot of people about Jesus. Stay with me. Stay with me. Okay. We, we disagreed on a hundred things. He told a lot of people about Jesus. Here's what he said at his life. He said the biggest surprise was how fast it went. Lee Robertson, Chattanooga, Tennessee. They called the family in. They said he's going to die. They designated one of the son in laws to go be the one to tell him this was it. He'd soon be seeing Jesus. That's not bad news for him. It's bad news for the rest of us that are going We don't want to see him go, right? Yeah. And they told him. They said, "Dad, you've you've recovered every time before. You're not going to recover this time. You, you're you're about to leave." Here's what he did. He went. There was so much I wanted to do for him before I left. Pointed tens of thousands to Jesus. Your life is a vapor. And the, the, the whole difference, the whole crossroads in your life, build your home on Jesus, pattern your life on homes that are, that are living for Jesus. Everybody in here is following somebody. Everybody, everybody, everybody in this room is following somebody. You might go, not me, I'm my own man. When you were 10 years old, you saw somebody who thought he was his own man. You saw somebody who thought he was his own man, and you said, that's who I want to be like. Everybody, E-R-R-B-O-D-Y, everybody in here is following somebody. Who is it? Who is it, Caitlin? Who is it? Who is it, preacher? Andrew, that was the crossroads. And at that crossroads, Collie, he had an opportunity to prepare his heart to seek the Lord. He said, Nah, I'm just gonna hang out with my friends. We're 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 gonna we're gonna be young and dumb. And get counsel to each other. Now, can I, can I meddle? For, can I quit preaching and go to meddling? Okay. I, I, need, I need two young people. JP is praying it ain't him. Yeah. Sit down. Stand up, boys. How old are you? 10? 13? Okay. Let's say he's got an IQ of 110. That's a little above average. Decent Nothing to be ashamed of you 'll go far in life with that. let's say you've got 118. You, you just not on, on a scale not enough to make a difference, but you just on, a, on an IQ test, you' all know what an IQ test. it tells you how smart you are. It, it, you'd be a, a little bit above that. Logic would tell you that the 110 and the 118, if you averaged it together, the average IQ of these two guys was 114, right? Add and then divide by two, right? Y'all remember how to do averaging, or did you do it all on your calculator? <laughs> right? Logic would say that. Do, you know do you know what happens to your IQ and your IQ, IQ when we get you together? Especially when, So there's three years between you, especially when you're 15 and 18, and y'all are hanging out together. Your average IQ goes to 40. It's all right to shoot hoops together. It's all right to talk about cars together. It's all right to go watch a ball game together if it's not a drunken brawl. But but anything serious about life, don't don't even discuss it because your opinion don't count and yours don't. I need a good amen right there. And if you get behind the wheel of a car, your IQ goes to 23 Two teenagers in a car, they have no IQ. Right? Is that, is that good preaching? Am I helping you? Amen. Okay? Put something in the love offering, okay? Thank you, guys. Are y'all with me? Get your counsel, get your advice from somebody who's way on down the road from you. You 20-somethings need to be talking to some 30-somethings you 20-somethings really ought to be talking to some 40-somethings. One of my men stopped me this morning and he said, Preacher, I don't don't, don't know really what prompted it. It It's not what we were talking about. I was talking to one of my men and he said, Preacher, when I was a young man and an old man would try to tell me something, I stood there and thought, I can't learn anything from you. You're old. He said, and then I got to the age where I realized that they had everything I needed to know and I was the one who didn't know anything. The problem is, Brother Daniel, we learn that too late in life. I'm just begging you. I'm pleading, I'm pleading with everybody in this room. Choose your friends wisely. If you're at a crossroads, and again, this isn't just young people. There could be a 50-year-old in here. There could be a 60-year-old that's a new Christian. You need to hang around with the preacher. Christians who are walking in victory. Christians that love Jesus, Christians that are joyful. My my wife made the comment to me yesterday. She, She said, How many joy, here's what she said, How many joyful Christians do you know? Why would we not be? On my worst day, on my worst day, I'm a thousand times better off than I was in the world. With no pride whatsoever, nothing but a heart of gratitude. The worst day I'll ever have. Kidney stones, surgery, crazy kid, somebody go nuts at church. The worst day I'll ever have as a believer. I am 10,000 times better off than most of my family that don't know God. One of our ladies testified last Sunday. She said she had had a wreck and all kinds of complications. She said she was down in the dumps about it. And she said it finally dawned on her lost people have wrecks. You're going to have problems. Why not go through them with Jesus? You're at a crossroads, church. Are you going to prepare your heart to seek the Lord? It is real easy. I'm trying to quit. It would be real easy to read that text and go, what does that have to do with preparing your heart? That was the first major decision Rehoboam had to make on his own. And he flopped. He said, I'm going to do it my way. What he should have done was got godly counsel. And then the next major decision got more godly counsel. And the next major decision got more godly counsel and he wouldn't have ended up the way that he did. That's my plea to every one of us here. I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm excited for the meeting. Every night I get to come, let me tell you something. I want to end this week closer to Jesus, more in tune with God than I am right now. Prepare, Prepare your heart to seek the Lord. That's the burden of my heart.